Today is September the 22nd. Today, we see that Jerusalem is fickle. Reading through the Bible in a year today, I'd like you to read Ezekiel chapters 15 to 18. Now, in chapter 15, the Lord compares Jerusalem to a vine, a, a, a grapevine that grows in a forest. Because it's shaded by the leaves, it really doesn't produce any food. But the vine as a vine is useless for fuel as well. You can't take a grapevine and use it to create anything out of wood. And if you throw it on the fire, it burns up too quickly. The Lord says, Jerusalem is a useless vine. I'm simply going to burn it to get rid of it. Chapter 16, he uh, compares Jerusalem to an unfaithful wife. He says that he, the Lord, called Jerusalem, dressed her in finest linen, prepared her for the marriage, and he married Jerusalem. But then Jerusalem was unfaithful. She was fickle. She moved away. She began to seek other lovers. As a result, the end of chapter 16 is a judgment against Israel's prostitution. Chapter 17 he starts with a parable, a parable of two eagles. In one, an eagle uproots a cedar, takes it near a river and plants it, and it begins to grow. Then a second eagle comes and lands, and the roots of that tree, instead of seeking water from the river, grow towards the eagle. It seeks nourishment from the eagle. It doesn't find it there. He actually explains what that parable means. God is the eagle. He has taken Jerusalem from Palestine to Babylon. There in Babylon, Israel is tempted to look to Babylon. The Lord says, don't do that. Continue to look to me. Enjoy today as you read Ezekiel 15 to 18. Ezekiel 15 to 18, New Living Translation, Ezekiel 15. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, how does a grapevine compare to a tree? Is a vine's wood as useful as the word of a tree? Can its wood be used for making things like pegs to hang up pots and pans? No, it can only be used for fuel, and even as fuel, it burns too quickly. Vines are useless both before and after being put into the fire. And this is what the La Sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem are like grapevines growing among the trees of the forest. Since they're useless, I've thrown them on the fire to be burned. I'll see to it that if they escape from one fire, they'll fall into another. When I turn against them, you'll know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because my people have been unfaithful to me. I, the Sovereign Lord, 
have spoken. Ezekiel 16. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. You're nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite. Your mother, a Hittite. On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. But I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, Live. And I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breasts became full. Your body hair grew, but you were still naked. So when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you and covered your nakedness and declared my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you, says the Sovereign Lord. You became mine. Then I bathed you and washed off your blood. Then I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered, and sandals made of fine goatskin leather. I gave you lovely jewelry, bracelets, beautiful necklaces, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, and a lovely crown for your head. And so you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen and costly fabric and were beautifully embroidered. You ate the finest foods, choice flour, honey, and olive oil. You became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you were. Your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty says the Sovereign Lord. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own. So you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. You used the lovely things I gave you to make shrines for idols where you played the prostitute. Unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? You took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I had given you and made statues of men and worshipped them. This is adultery against me. You used the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Then you used my special oil and my incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice— the choice flour, olive oil, and honey I had given you, says the Sovereign Lord. Then you took your sons and daughters, the children you had borne to me, and sacrificed them to your gods. Was your prostitution not enough? Must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols? In all your years of adultery and detestable sin— You've not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in a field, kicking about in your own blood. 
What sorrow awaits you, says the sovereign Lord, in addition to all your other wickedness. You build a pagan shrine and put altars to idols in every town square. On every street corner, you defiled your beauty, offering your body to every passerby in an endless stream of prostitution. Then you added lustful Egypt to your lovers, provoking my anger with your increasing promiscuity. That's why I struck you with my fist and reduced your boundaries. I handed you over to your enemies, the Philistines, and even they were shocked by your lewd conduct. You've prostituted yourself with the Assyrians, too. It seems you can never find enough new lovers. And after your prostitution there, you still were not satisfied. You added to your lovers by embracing Babylon, the land of merchants. But you still weren't satisfied. What a sick heart you have, says the Sovereign Lord, to do such things as these, acting like a shameless prostitute. You build your pagan shrines on every street corner and your altars to idols in every square. In fact, you've been worse than a prostitute, so eager for sin that you have not even demanded payment. Yes, you're an adulterous wife who takes in strangers instead of her own husband. Prostitutes charge for their services, but not you. You give gifts to your lovers, bribing them to come and have sex with you. So you're the opposite of other prostitutes. You pay your lovers instead of them paying you. Therefore, you prostitute, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, because you have poured out your lust and exposed yourself in prostitution to all your lovers, and because you have worshipped detestable idols, and because you have slaughtered your children as sacrifices to your gods. This is what I'm going to do. I'll gather together all your allies, the lovers with whom you have sinned, both those you have loved and those you hated, and I will strip you naked in front of them so they can stare at you. I'll punish you for your murder and adultery. I'll cover you with blood in my jealous fury. Then I will give you to these many nations who are your lovers, and they will destroy you. They'll knock down your pagan shrines and the altars to your idols. They'll strip you and take your beautiful jewels, leaving you stark naked. They'll band together in a mob to stone you and cut you up with swords. They'll burn your homes and punish you in front of many women. I'll stop your prostitution and end your payments to your many lovers. Then at last, my fury against you will be spent, and my jealous anger will subside. I'll be calm and will not be angry with you anymore. But first, because you've not remembered your youth, but have angered me by doing all these evil things, I will fully repay you for all your sins, says the Sovereign Lord, for you have added lewd acts to all your detestable sins. Everyone who makes up Proverbs will say of you, like mother, 
like daughter, for your mother loathed her husband and her children. So do you. You're exactly like your sisters, for they despise their husbands and their children. Truly, your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. Your older sister was Samaria, who lived with her daughters in the north. Your younger sister was Sodom, who lived with her daughters in the south. But you've not merely sinned as they did. You quickly surpassed them in corruption. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, Sodom and her daughters were never as wicked as you and your daughters. Sodom's sin were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you've seen. Even Samaria did not commit half your sins. You've done far more detestable things than your sisters ever did. They seem righteous compared to you. Shame on you. Your sins are so terrible that you make your sisters seem righteous, even virtuous. But someday, I'll restore the fortunes of Sodom and Samaria. I'll restore you too. Then you will be truly ashamed of everything you have done. For your sins make them feel good in comparison. Yes, your sisters, Sodom and Samaria, and all their people will be restored. At that time, you will also be restored. And your proud days, you held Sodom in contempt. But now your greater wickedness has been exposed to all the world. You're the one who is scorned by Edom and all her neighbors and by Philistia. This is your punishment for all your lewdness and detestable sins, says the Lord. Now this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I'll give you what you deserve, for you've taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. Yet I'll remember the covenant that I made with you when you were young. I'll establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember with shame all the evil you have done. I'll make your sisters, Samaria and Sodom, to be your daughters, even though they're not part of our covenant. I'll reaffirm my covenant with you, and you will know that I am the Lord. You'll remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Ezekiel 17 then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give this riddle and tell this story to the people of Israel. Give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. A great eagle with broad wings and long feathers covered with many-colored plumage came to Lebanon. He seized the top of a cedar tree and plucked off its highest branch. He carried it away to a city filled with merchants. He planted it in a city of traders. He also took a seedling from the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside a broad river where it could grow like a willow tree. It took root there and grew into a low, spreading vine. Its branches turned up toward the eagle, and its roots grew down into the ground. It produced strong branches and put out shoots. 
But then another great eagle came with broad wings and full plumage. So the vine now sent its roots and branches toward him for water, even though it was already planted in good soil and had plenty of water, so it could grow into a splendid vine and produce rich leaves and luscious fruit. So now the sovereign Lord asks, Will this vine grow and prosper? No. I will pull it up, roots and all. I'll cut off its fruit and let its leaves wither and die. I'll pull it up easily without a strong arm or a large army. But when the wine is transplanted, will it thrive? No. It will wither away when the east wind blows against it. It will die in the same good soil where it had grown so well. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Say to the rebels of Israel, Don't you understand the meaning of this riddle of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away her kings and princes, and brought them to Babylon. He made a treaty with a member of the royal family, forced him to take an oath of loyalty. He also exiled Israel's most influential leaders. So Israel would not become strong again and revolt. Only by keeping her treaty with Babylon could Israel survive. Nevertheless, this man of Israel's royal family rebelled against Babylon, sending ambassadors to Egypt to request a great army and many horses. Can Israel break her sworn treaties like that and get away with it? No. For as surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, the King of Israel will die in Babylon, the land of the King, who put him in power, and whose treaty he disregarded and broke. Pharaoh and all his mighty army will fail to help Israel when the King of Babylon lays siege to Jerusalem again and destroys many lives. For the king of Israel disregarded his treaty and broke it after swearing to obey. Therefore, he will not escape. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, I'll punish him for breaking my covenant and disregarding the solemn vow he made in my name. I will throw my net over him and capture him in my snare. I'll bring him to Babylon and put him on trial for this treason against me. All his best warriors will be killed in battle. Those who survive will be scattered to the four winds. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I'll take a branch from the top of a tall cedar. I'll put it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It'll become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees will know that it's I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It's I who makes the green tree wither and gives the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will do what I said. Ezekiel 18 Then another message came to me from the Lord. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb any more in Israel. 
For all the people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. Suppose a certain man is righteous and does what is just and right. He does not feast on the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery or have intercourse with a woman during her menstrual period. He is a merciful creditor not keeping the items given as security by poor debtors. He does not rob the poor, but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others, and faithfully obeys my decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things is just and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. But suppose that man has a son, who grows up to be a robber or murderer, and refuses to do what is right. And that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He worships idols on the mountains, commits adultery, oppresses the poor and helpless, steals from debtors by refusing to let them redeem their security, worships idols, commits detestable sins, and lends money at excessive interest. Should such a sinful person live? No, he must die and must take full blame. But suppose that sinful son in turn has a son who sees his father's wickedness and decides against that kind of life. This son refuses to worship idols on the mountains and does not commit adultery. He does not exploit the poor, but instead is fair to debtors and does not rob them. He gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He helps the poor, does not lend money at interest, and obeys all my regulations and decrees. Such a person will not die because of his father's sins. He will surely live. But the father will die for his many sins, for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what is clearly wrong among his people. What, you ask? Doesn't the child pay for his parents' sins? No, for if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parents' sins, and the parents will not be punished for the child's sin. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten, and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do you think I like to see wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten, and they will die for their sins. Yet you say, the Lord isn't doing what's right. Listen to me, O people of Israel, am I the one not doing what's right, or is it you? When righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn from their wickedness and obey the law and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet, the people of Israel keep saying, The Lord isn't doing what's right. O people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what's right, not I. 
Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we will see that Israel will know that He is the Lord.